to the Rack Podcast. In our last 10 episodes, we've covered lots of topics, including how to become an engineer and how to become a healthcare professional, like a respiratory therapist or a nurse. And we've also discussed opportunities for high school students to get a head start on college or adults with families looking to reenter the workforce. Rack provides so many opportunities other than those, and today's guest is proof that you can start here and go anywhere. Twyla Fisher enrolled at Rack as a mother of four before going on to Columbia University and the University of Pennsylvania. There's so much more to discuss, so I want to jump right in. Please welcome Twyla Fisher. Thank you. Thanks for this opportunity. It's so great to be back on campus. Yes, welcome back. Thank you for being here with me today. It's my pleasure to have you. So I want to talk about your experience at Rack and all of your other accomplishments as well. So if we could just get started with your early life, what was it like attending Lancaster Mennonite High School? Actually, before I go into that, I just have to say it was great walking back into Burke's Hall after 12 years. Oh, I realize yes. it's been 12 years since I was here. Wow. Um, but it's been much longer since I was in high school. So that's... Um, this year is our 30th class reunion. And I remember when I graduated high school thinking, when we hit our 30th class reunion, I'm going to be so old. And <laughs> and here we are. I'm probably in <laughs> denial, but I don't feel as old as I thought I was going to then. So Lancaster Mennonite High, as it was, we referred to the time, LMH, was a private semi-boarding school. It did have some boarding students, and I boarded for two years, and I commuted for two years um, in Lancaster County. And it was a great experience. It was kind of insular experience, however, because a lot of my friends went to Twin Valley. I'm from the Elverson area, so that's where I would have gone to school. And it was intended to be insular in the sense that it brought people together from the Mennonite faith and tradition and kind of kept us there. And that's mm -hmm. what my parents wanted. And, and that was that was fine. I mean, that was really important to them. So I'm one of nine children, and they put all nine of us through private school wow, um, with that incredible. focus. Yeah. And, and we didn't have a lot of money growing up. My grandparents were Amish. My parents were Amish before I was born. By the time I came along, they weren't anymore. But so we, we grew up with somewhat uh, a sense of wealth and in, in, in land and things like that, but not, not a lot of money per se. So it was quite the accomplishment for my dad to put us through private school. But it was it was an environment that I, w I kind of wanted to get out of too. Like I wanted to explore a little bit more than that. Sure. But it does a good job of you know graduating students who are mission-minded and service-oriented and who care deeply about transforming the world around them. Mm -hmm. And I'm very grateful for that. Wow, that is incredible. I didn't know a whole lot about the Mennonite or the Amish community until the last five or 10 years or so. And I just love visiting Lancaster County and interacting with them because everyone is so kind and so helpful. And I just love that about going up there. It's just so different sometimes than other places that you visit. Absolutely. So how did you decide to put your career and your education on hold after you graduated from high school? Well, it wasn't always the plan, but I did start feeling in my senior year like I wanted to take a gap year and as I mentioned, I was kind of ready to get out of the world I knew a little bit. Um, and one way that Mennonites do that is by joining mission teams and traveling the world and serving overseas. And so I applied to and was accepted at an organization called Eastern Mennonite Missions and uh, decided through them to go to Mexico City for an 18-month outreach period, which was longer than I thought because I thought a gap year that I'll come back. And this particular one was the longest one. It was 18 months. And it just, it, it made sense to me. It was uh, long enough to be a good immersion 
program in a sense. And also I loved what we would be doing. We were going to be teaching ESL and working with a local shanty town with kids there and helping to start a church. And I just, I liked it all. It mm-hmm. provided me uh, with that excitement that I wanted to experience. So I did that, but 18 months turned into four years and I ended up wow. after my term was over, I, I went back and lived there on my own and got married there. And I, I told my daughters, I'm like, don't ever do that to me. My poor mom. <laughs> like, I was like 19 going on 20 and I'm like, hey, I'm getting married next year. <laughs> I would have sent myself home on a plane if I was my mom. But anyway, so it just, it became very transformative, life-changing for me to live there and be fully, fully immersed in another culture and to, I don't know, just, just to get out of the paradigms and the mindset that I knew growing up in an insular community. So that's really how it got put on hold because then after that, after I was married, we decided to start a family a few years later. And my mom had always stayed home with us as kids and I really wanted to stay home with my kids. So mm-hmm. I said, well, I'll just, I'll just put it on hold until they're all in school. And that's what I did. Okay. So I know you have four girls. When did you decide to come to Rack and what inspired you to do that initially? Well, I was just waiting for my youngest to be in kindergarten. So the day, the same day she started kindergarten, I was signed up for six classes here. <laughs> And I I dropped her off at kindergarten (laughs) and came here and walked into my first class at RAC. Um, So it was really, I was just, I was just waiting for the time to be right. And it also made sense location wise. It was 10 minutes away. It was affordable. I also didn't really trust my academic abilities after 20 years. I was really uh, self-conscious and nervous about going back to school. And, you know, I had heard that RAC had open enrollment, that I wouldn't have to like take a qualifying exam or anything. And so I thought you can't get better than that. It's close. It's affordable. I can get in and and try this. And um, it was the perfect transition for me. Yeah, that is definitely one of the opportunities, I think, of community college is that they're ready to meet you wherever you are and in whatever capacity that you're ready for school or maybe not so ready. And they just give you those resources that are able to help you get started and really get into what you want to do. So I know that you were involved in the student leadership program here at RAC, which is designed to help inspired students increase their leadership potential. Can you tell me about how your involvement in the program prepared you for your future academic endeavors? Yes. First of all, I'd like to say I think the success of the leadership program, at least at that time, was largely due to the leaders. I got involved in it through Sue Gelsinger at the time and Donna Singleton, and they just encouraged me to join, but also were stellar leaders. I mean, they were such great examples to us. So I learned, I mean, I had decent leadership experience, of course, because I was older and I had um, lived abroad and had been involved in various levels of leadership leadership. But this, it challenged me in a new way to be more disciplined, I guess, because I felt like I had to, as an older student, be an example to the younger ones. And so it mm-hmm. it kind of made me step up to the plate a little bit more. But we did a lot of work around character development, again, discipline, pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones. And it allowed me to do that outside of the mom role, like mm-hmm. with other students. And that was sure. new for me and also intimidating because I was older. But it did prepare me, I think, for the journey that would come after to rack. Okay. So I know that sort of part of that leadership experience in Phi Theta Kappa, you became a recipient of the Jack Kent Cook Scholarship. So tell me what it means to you or what it meant to you at the time to receive that. Oh my goodness. Everything. It was a whirlwind, that whole process. I think it was Mary Lou Klein who reached out to me in the fall or or late, late fall, early winter 2010. And I was about to graduate. I stayed another semester after that. But anyway, she said, I think this is a good fit for you. I'd never heard of it. I scrambled to do it. She says a very long application and it's very selective. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I'll try it anyway. And Dr. Singleton wrote the the uh, letter of recommendation for me. Anyway, I just, I did it and then thought that's it. Like 
whatever. I didn't really think twice about it again. Of course, mm -hmm. you always hope, but I didn't think I'd get it. And I remember um, at the end of, in the spring, at the end of the year, we were in the awards ceremony and I was one of the MCs for the awards ceremony. And we got to the end uh, of the program and I was like ready to wrap it up. And then I forget who came up and said, we have one more award. And they said, it's for you, Twyla. And I was like, what? Where's, where's this coming from? And they gave me a certificate that they had printed out just to show that I had been awarded the Jack Ken Cook Scholarship. And I just like, I, I think I cried. I was speechless. <laughs> I'm like, what? And I knew, I just knew my life was never going to be the same after that. I remember seeing like a vision in my head of a train barreling down the tracks and all of a sudden it like it, it got to a cross rail and it just went the other way and I was like that's happening to me right now like something just shifted in my mm -hmm. life and and it did it really changed my life so is that when you decided to continue your education into a bachelor's program no, no, I was, uh, the whole time I was planning to transfer to Kutztown. In fact, I, I was very meticulous about making sure that every class I took here transferred to Kutztown. So I graduated from here with 80 credits and my plan, and they all would have transferred to Kutztown. And my plan then was to finish undergrad in a year and a half at Kutztown. So I lost a lot of credits because when I transferred to Columbia, it went down to 55. They didn't oh, take wow. a bunch of the classes. So I kind of had to start like not start over but some of the core classes I had to retake but it was worth it that's great what would you tell our students and listeners who are maybe thinking about going back to college and are in a situation similar to yours where maybe they're a little bit farther along in their life and they've had a family and maybe they haven't been in the workforce that's a great question I would just say do it just do it make it happen because it's it's kind of low risk in the bigger scheme of things in the larger picture. Again, going back to what attracted me to RAC, it's affordable. You can, like I did night classes, I did some summer classes, I did the winter term, the shorter ones. So there, there's a way to make it fit into your schedule as a non-traditional student. And I found every single professor was very understanding of the fact that I was a non-traditional student, that I had kids. They didn't allow me to slack in what I needed to get done, but they, they were very compassionate and understanding. And I don't know that you find that everywhere, but definitely mm -hmm. I found it at RAC. And it, it encouraged me to, to just keep going and it allowed me to build confidence so much confidence because I really didn't I just didn't know after 20 years if I was good at school anymore and things change in 20 years my kids don't do math the same way they used to mm -hmm. I, I, that I used to so I was like maybe this is all different and I did have to relearn a lot of things I the writing had changed somewhat but when you want something bad enough you just figure out how to make it happen mm -hmm. and I think for anyone who is longing for higher education in the same way that I was and and you just you just know that you have to make it happen you will make it happen and when you want it you'll do it so go for it that's so true I definitely agree with you I think that it's clear that your education was definitely the catalyst to the rest of your success that you've had and getting you to the point that you're at now it was and I remember one defining moment when I was starting to get really interested in local government I had been working with a church in downtown Reading and they they never seemed to have the money they needed for their outreach initiatives and then I knew some people at the city of Reading um, who were telling me they didn't know how to to spend the like they had some leftover money like CDBG money in the HUD account or something and I was like how are we missing each other and I understand the separation of church and state all that but I'm like I just was curious I wanted to get to know the the local government process more and I started you know walking into city hall and talking to people and trying to get on some boards and commissions and I did get on one and I finally had someone from codes tell me look you're you're clearly like you, you know you're you're smart you can figure things out but you don't have an education you have a high school diploma and like 
like that you're never going to get very far in this world with a high school education and I was like man he's right and I kind of knew it but I didn't know it like that until someone like just told me and uh, I was probably two years out from my youngest being in kindergarten at that point and it it was it was just the fuel I needed to get ready for that mm-hmm. day when I dropped her off that I would be here so that was really a defining moment for me when I realized that if I wanted to accomplish the goals I had I needed I needed to go back to school awesome so I know now that you're working as the director of community and economic development at the Hill School and Hobart's Run Neighborhood District. Can you tell me about what the Hill School is and what they do and maybe what your role includes? Sure. I'm going to try to do that succinctly and, uh, you know, not take too much time because it is what I'm currently doing and, and I'm very passionate about my work in Pottstown, which isn't far from here. And it's been great to see the revitalization that Pottstown is going through. Uh, but the Hill School is a co-educational boarding school. Prep school It is about right now at 525 in enrollment and they're all boarders except for a few day students so they have I think they were founded in 1851 and they're just a stellar institution so I never pictured myself there at all but when Mm -hmm. I was finishing up grad school and I was on Indeed and it popped up as um, an opportunity in economic development so what they were doing was they decided to start a neighborhood improvement district around the school similar in a small scale way to what Penn and Drexel did in West Philly what F&M and Lancaster General did in Lancaster Mm -hmm. um, just Mm -hmm. to identify a focus area a residential focus area and improve it noticeably over you know 10 20 years and they were looking for someone to to spearhead that so I applied and got the job and that's what I've been doing for almost six years now. It's nine, 900 parcels around the school. So it's, it's, you know, it's a little community. And we mm-hmm. do, we focus mostly on safe, clean, and green initiatives. But we do a lot of inclusivity, like getting people out of their homes, talking to each other, community building. We throw block parties. We do block cleanups. We, you know, just any way that we can help folks feel part of a community and strengthen the area. And then we also encourage revitalization in the sense of investing in real estate, whether it's residential or commercial property across from the school. So it's multifaceted. It's super fun and never boring. That sounds like incredible work. That's awesome. So tell me, I know that you are very involved in community organizations outside of work. So can you tell me about some of the boards that you serve on and the work that you perform with those organizations? Sure. Most of them now are in Pottstown. Um, I'm on six boards and committees, and uh, I, I probably should not be on that many. That's one of my <laughs> uh, my life goals is to not get involved in so many things. I will make a plug for the book Essentialism, which I just read, and I, I just, I'm rereading it because I, I need to keep applying the principles, but one of those principles is to not do so many things, you know, just right. not spread yourself so thin, focus on a few things you can do really well. So we'll have to see where that leads me in the next year. But uh, what I started out doing in Pottstown actually came out of Leadership Burke. So I was part of the 2015-2016 cohort of Leadership Burks out of Alvernia. And as one of the, the things that you commit to at the end is to find a nonprofit board that you'll serve on. And so I joined the Chamber of Commerce, the Tri-County Area Chamber of Commerce, as a board member and then ended up serving almost two terms, almost six years on that board. And I met a lot of people in the Tri-County area that way. Um, and then, so most of the other ones are, are in Pottstown. It's the y- YM. MCA, Pottstown Parks Foundation. And then here, though, another one locally is Barrio Alegria. So I'm on the board of this community arts organization that does amazing work. It's my favorite board, and I'm not afraid to say so. They just are, they work with South of Penn, if you've heard of that initiative. Yes. Um, So they are some of my favorite people, and I really enjoy serving with them. Oh, awesome. It's clear to me after listening to you that you can really have a family and a successful career and give back to your community all at the same time without, you know, really giving up any of the things that 
that you care about. And you've shown us that today. And I appreciate the time that you took to speak with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Today, we discussed many ways that RAC helps to provide you with the tools and knowledge you need to succeed in today's world. Your education doesn't have to stop here. We have transfer agreements with many other colleges and universities, and the credits that you earn here are transferable to a bachelor's degree. As you've heard today, nothing is out of reach, not even Columbia or Penn. Education is an investment in yourself, and it's never too late to start. To get started with us today and learn more about scholarship opportunities to help with the cost of your education, you can call 610-607-6224 or email admissions at rack.edu. Application is fast and free, and we are always here to help answer your questions. Be sure to check back each week for more stories of our student success and incredible programs here at Rack. You can visit us at buzzsprout.com or wherever you're listening right now. This is Sonia on the Reading Area Community College Podcast, and I can't wait to see you next time. Bye.